So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom. It is a wonderful spring day, except for all the craziness out there in the world. Me and Rock today are going to talk about something really important that we've been seeing through the news. We've been hearing a lot of that. I think it really does to involve everything from coronavirus to some of the stuff we've read in the news. But really, the subject is controlling your future through your business and investing. And I want to make sure we're not talking like making goals things. This is about building it right. And this is really important. I can't tell you how many businesses were built or investing strategies, like how many people have started investment strategies that were flawed because they didn't control the future and they lost it, but that was all, they were always going to lose it. Right. Well, and I think the, the coronavirus has exposed a lot of these uh, guys. And I think we, we, me and AJ had a conversation earlier today. We came up with a good subject because we were talking about a recent article that came out that we'll get into. And then we forgot the good subject that we were going to go into. <laughs> so, so, but, but this is, this is kind of the premise of what uh, we wanted to talk about. And it's how I think the coronavirus has done it, but also just, it just happens in business anyway. And we can kind of approach it from two angles, but like controlling your business is not necessarily you being able to operate it, but, not as not so much that as much as it is actually having sound like not building something on a house of cards and yes. a good example of that is the Airbnb business model that's just getting slaughtered right now and for those of you that don't know what that is it's like where people will lease let's say an apartment complex or lease a unit or whatnot and then they'll they're they're leasing it from somebody who owns it right and then they go and sublease it to uh, through Airbnb to make a spread so maybe they lease it for a thousand, and every month they bring in three thousand, so they're making the two thousand spread. Well, that whole business model's gone, considering nobody's traveling, nobody's going to Airbnbs, and um, I mean. But yet the risk. So one of the biggest problems with this model is, and the people that were originally doing it, they're like, I don't have the risk of the real estate, and now it shows it that doesn't make any sense because you still do have the risk. You have to make those payments, but you have none of the benefits, right? Right. So you're not getting government assistance and bank assistance, right? So all this, the the landlord, he went and he got interest-only payments for his real estate, right? Or he can get debt to cover things back because he has an asset backing it. He owns the asset. You don't. You have to pay that, that, that money every month to him, and there's nothing you can do about it. You're just, you have a lease. You're signed under contract. So you have... The all you don't have own the asset, you don't control it, you don't control your business, and all of a sudden, when you're not able to make those payments, what you thought was like almost like a risk free because when will people never be able to travel, and when will people never be able to do these things that we expected right now? And I know people that own 30 of these things. Well, they don't even, yeah, they're leasing, they're leasing. They owe a lot of money to a lot of landlords. Right. Yeah. You think about, let's just say the average is a thousand a month. So you're, you're on the hook for 30 grand a month and you have zero income coming in. And you're telling me that, yeah, maybe, maybe a couple will be like, you know what? It's fine. I'm going to get a long-term tenant in, uh, let you out of the lease. This is too much of a mess for me. But you're telling me that one of those people isn't going to wreak havoc on your finances and they're going to, they're going to go after you for the rent they owe. 
they're going to, which you won't be able to pay. You might be able to last one month, maybe. And you look at it from a buyer's side, because I've had so many people come to me and say, hey, let me sublease your units. And to me, it's like, well, if I wanted to do that, I'd just do it. I don't need anybody to, yeah. to help me do that. But two, it's like, I'd rather have a, the long-term tenants in real estate actually surprisingly lower your risk. People think, oh yeah, well, what if you get a bad tenant and they destroy your house? Well, that's why you screen them. But on a long-term note, like I've had a tenant in there, knock on wood, but I've had them in there for five years and they were in there eight years before me. I've, I've maybe, I've painted that house and I've uh, built them a new bathroom just because I wanted to. And all in, like that property cash flows a thousand bucks a month. And you think, well, why don't you Airbnb it? It's like, well, the turnover, the management uh, cost, all these things add up. And if you're, and what I mean by turnover is having tenants, or not tenants, but Airbnbers come in and out. Um, all that adds up and you would think, oh, well, it's a higher margin, better business. And it's like, not really. Because it, it, if you ran like a, a five-year thing, you'd kind of see the long-term is just, it's just better, safer, lower management, lower risk. And well, in and a situation like this, the, how the banks, Oh, Oh yeah. I mean, the, not only do they view it as every, every bank that I work with, they want to see my leases. They want to know how much income I'm making, what my debt is. They're projecting this. They're, they're looking at a 30 year mortgage. So they're saying 30 years out. Um, I, you know, go to a bank right now and say, Hey, you know, I want some money to float me because I'm going to go sublease a bunch of apartments in Airbnb. It's no. not going to happen. Well, that and and when you look at it like long term, it's like the Airbnb model is good to arbitrage on a property that you might not be able to rent immediately. But yeah, if you're trying to build a portfolio and you're trying to build a business that that has long a thirty year uh, plan, you need to be able to operate units long term. And Airbnb is an arbitrage play. It's not necessarily a long term play. Yeah, and it, and the thing is, what what it really comes down to is controlling your ability to do that. So if somebody did that from rock, rock controls their revenue, right? So somebody comes and is subleasing out Airbnb people. They don't own that revenue. They're getting you do because you can kick them out and take over their model. And the perfect example of this, look at the corporate world, how people got this, this wrong so bad. And it never, and, and this is exactly what we're talking about. If you look at WeWork, so WeWork's overall model. It is that. Yeah, is that. They go into these big high-rises, right? They lease out, let's say, a whole floor. They revamp it. They remodel it. It makes a workspace that's really cool. The, the concept is actually awesome, right, what they were doing. It's like Trailhead in Boise, if you're from Boise. Yeah. It's like you get these little cubbies, yep, right? Exactly. Private office private offices and group stuff. They even have like a little cafeteria thing so you can go and you get Wi-Fi, but yet you're not subject. You pay like monthly fees and how, and they, so it's a totally different way of looking at it. So WeWork was exploding until all the landlords, they're going public showing everybody how much money they're making. And all the landlords said, well, hold on. Why am I letting you do that? I can do it. And they did. And they, the, just, they all just took it. And we were like, from- your lease is gone. And now I do it because the landlords owned their business. Even though WeWork thought that they did, they didn't. Exactly. And and if you look at it, that model, uh, well, just if you don't know that context, I think it was valued at what, over $10 billion? Oh, something crazy. And that, that got, or no, it was more than $10 billion Because that, uh, the owner, or not the owner, the CEO went from, I was looking at his net worth value. It, he was in the t- it, multiple billions to now $400 million. And he's and in a lawsuit with less, the investment yeah. bank that was taken in public. Yeah. Or his primary Soft investor. SoftBank. SoftBank, yeah. 
And uh, when you look at that model, though, that is a larger version of Airbnb. Exactly. And it, it differs from Uber and these other things because there's utility to Uber. Yes. There's util- there, there's, there isn't so much utility in housing because there's another option. Well, and two, okay, so if you're an Uber driver, you still own your car. You own the ability to perform that s- service. And, and we not, work, they don't. And you don't, buy a, you don't buy a car just to Uber it. That's exactly. not why you buy a car. That's not why you buy a car. But exactly. It, but it's different with Airbnb. People are thinking, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, and that model doesn't work with housing. And I think that if you build, well, coming back full circle, you don't control it. Yeah, you don't control it. And uh, people that haven't read The Millionaire Fastlane, because you, you, you were saying it, and I was thinking, oh, that's The Millionaire Fastlane. MJ DeMarco wrote that book, and he talks about sense. Business needs to make sense. And C-E-N-T-S, uh, you need to have control. Uh, it's commandment of control. So you need to control the business. You need to have a barrier to entry, which is E. You need to have a need, fill a need, which is the N. Uh, it needs to be devoid of your time, which is the T. It needs to be able to scale, which is the S. And the, I th- I'd say the C is the most important Hundred percent. Because if you don't have the C, then everything else doesn't really matter because no. you, your business doesn't. is taken from you. And I, I can't tell you how many businesses we see this all the time. They go out of business, or they just disappear, and they actually never really had control over the company. They were making a spread or utilizing infrastructure that other people owned. And this comes back to a conversation that we talked about the the importance of owning infrastructure and becoming infrastructure in our economy. And uh, this idea, once again, of of controlling your revenue and how you receive it, how you deploy the, uh, the, the products if you're a company. When I look at our hard assets that we own, our storage facilities, our businesses, the product companies that, you, that we own, everything, it's about centralizing these controls, everything from distribution to marketing. A uh, perfect example of this is we see a lot of people that were just absolutely, their whole entire business was based upon a conversion of a Google ad that was killing it and they had this great marketing down, right? They just had, they just nailed down this marketing platform. Google changed its, uh, 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 its algorithm. And there, these people had businesses that went from millions a month down to virtually nothing. And it happened in the blink of an eye. They had no control over what was going on with their business. These points and these focal points um, are, are stress points on the business. And you need to analyze the risk in any model. And you're saying, now, if you're listening to this right now and saying, I don't have an, a, a, a model to analyze risk, well, that's perfect. Because you need to think about these things before you start. Because after you're down the road, lots of times it's too late. So when, uh, you know, when we first met and you were talking about like your idea and things that you were having and everything you're going over, we, we had a lot of those conversations on, it has to be yours. And that's why you went down the, the, the brand name and saying, I'm going to control my destiny through a brand. And why don't you kind of explain to the difference of having a brand as opposed to having a product? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, uh, if you sell any physical product, there's a couple ways, and for I'm just going to give a background. There's a couple ways you could sell sell a product, and and everyone's kind of witnessed it. Um, and I'll just use a popular example. Nike has a brand of shoes, and people buy it for they don't buy it because of the shoe; they buy it because it's Nike. And um, there's tons of other shoe companies that you would never hear of. Nike before it was Nike was Blue Ribbon. People bought Blue Ribbon because they would see who was wearing it the same way with Nike was wearing it. The people, the reason people do or don't buy New Balance 
is is because of the brand. Now, if you didn't have a branded shoe, it the, the reason there aren't any is because they don't sell. And there's there's ways to, to create a product line and, and sell physical products. And that's, you can white label, which is basically you sell a generic product, a spatula, right? You can private label, which is you take a generic product and you put your brand on it. And what you're doing is you're creating value. You're taking control. You're creating a barrier of entry. And um, wh- which is kind of how I started. I started private labeling products. And then you can actually create uh, new products. You can innovate that uh, that niche and create a custom product uh, associated with a brand. And the reason you want to create a brand is because it builds a moat around what you're selling. Um, people that buy Coca-Cola, Nike, um, you think about any of them, uh, Heinz Craft, you know, you look at what Warren Buffett owns. He owns brands. He owns infrastructure through brands. And most of the physical products uh, that he owns or that most of these private equity companies own, they look at that. They say, okay, well, there's no point in buying a company that sells generic goods um, in uh, kitchen, home goods, uh, dining, whatever it is. You need to have something like William Sonoma. Yes. Was a, it's a huge brand huge in, in Kohl's. It doesn't really matter what you're selling, but by having the brand, you're creating a moat around the business. And what kind of got me and AJ talking about that recently, I, I, I saw that coming five years ago when I started my brand. I was like, oh, well... The the guys selling generic products are, are selling for twenty. The guys with brands are selling it for fifty to a hundred. And I had a good brand name, and I I was thinking about it, and I was thinking long term. Like uh, I don't want to do something that I don't own and take pride in, and just generically sell. Um, which is a lot. It's funny because a lot of the guys selling courses are selling generic goods because it's the courses make more money than the generic goods. But a brand yes. makes way more money than. Uh, a course or generic. It's like, it okay. has staying power. It has growing power. With a brand, you build culture. And with a brand, you can control the the actions of the customers. And this is really important that the customers or how you're, 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 you're the buying uh, a process of consumers and how they think. Because if you aren't in control of that, Somebody can take it from you. Somebody can take it from you at any time. Which is brings us to that topic that we were talking about this morning. Yes. The Wall Street Journal came out and said, hey, I've had so many people send this to me. Uh, even even people that listen to this podcast, they're sending it to me. Um, where Amazon, if you're selling on Amazon, you're a third-party seller. It, most people don't know this. Fifty More than 50% of the, the products being sold on Amazon are from third-party sellers, people like me. And Amazon will take that data. They said they didn't, but they they take that data. They see who's selling the most and they duplicate it uh, like through Amazon Basics or whatever uh, Amazon brand they want. And then they put it right up next to that top seller and compete directly with their third party sellers. And when you look at that and people are sending this to me, I'm like, well, that's that sucks for a lot of people that are third party sellers. But to me, you're never going to buy Amazon Basics weightlifting equipment. You'll pick my brand because of my brand. Who, who wears it, what it's about, what it means, the quality, the durability, the material, everything about it. You can't, people don't buy Gymshark or certain supplements or fitness equipment brands because uh, of the material. They buy it because of who wears it, what it's about, the cult, like you said, the culture, the barrier. And if you're going to be selling physical products, I mean, you should be doing this. If you're not, you're way behind the curve. Um, you need to have a brand. 
Well, and, and two, if you think about it, the real reason this is a problem is you have to utilize other people's means to access your customers, your delivery. So the infrastructure of the business when you're selling on Amazon is Amazon's. It's not yours. Amazon's doing the advertising, the distribution. Amazon's doing everything except the buying of your product. Exactly. So if your product does not have a customer base that wants them as opposed to just any other uh, other if you're not if you're just commodity basically then you have no staying power but you have even less on systems that you don't own right so you, you i mean you got to think about it your your whole entire business model is predicated on somebody else selling your product making it work and consumers going there and that is a flaw they can base. So how do you retract? How do you take power? So for your brand and for your name, you can pull it off Amazon and people will still buy it, right? If I'm buying generic spatula or whatever it is on Amazon and I don't see you shop the for price, brand, I just go for price. I don't care. Yeah. And there's no way I'm going to like my spatula company is going to say, no, AJ, come to my site, pay extra money right? Unless they can convince me that that spatula is awesome. They put a name behind it and there's a reason for it. And uh, when you look at your mode of control, you want to control this life cycle of the customer. So you want to understand what they're thinking, how they're thinking. And too, once again, we're not just talking about product-based business. This is with everything. When we look at our sales company and understanding our sales lines and how you everything protect your business from contracts when you're looking at real estate and you guys have software that you embed yes. into the into the for, as a value play as a value play but it also makes it so stay. they can't leave yeah exactly so you need to look at the system to deploy your product service good whatever that is right it's one of the reasons real estate's so amazing right um, they're essentially monopolies if somebody wants to run a unit at my facility they can only run it for me i own it they have no other choice. I get to dictate that price. They can choose to buy it or not, but that's it, right? And so I own the system, how it's marketed. I own how it's sold. I own, in fact, I own basically everything. If they don't pay, I even own the stuff, right? And I can sell it. So it's about keeping the control because that's how you grow. That's how you scale. That's how you can become more than a flash in the pan or a momentary thing. And, you know, me and Rock firmly believe when you start to build your investing process, when you start to uh, build your business, and when you're trying to get financial freedom, financial freedom isn't something that happens quick. It's just not. It compounds, so, though. It compounds. So you need to build something that can compound. If you build something to express, uh, expect a quick win, then you're going to get a quick loss as well. And you can't do that. You need to build something that will last and can grow. Brands have staying power. You can sell one product, they'll come back for more. They'll keep reoccurring. You have reoccurring customers. You can spread that customer base. You can go through other lines of, you don't necessarily need Amazon. You can use, you can go to other vendors like Facebook, Google, um, on and on your, and on. On your website, right? retail. Sell it on your website, retail, because you own the brand where people want to go. You can distribute it however you want. When you're investing, if you're investing is, let's say, this is one of the reasons why we talk about a wealth vehicle. And you can be a driver. You can sit in the back seat. This is why I didn't want to sit in the back seat of my wealth vehicle because it depended on the driver. You need to be the driver. You need to be the driver of your financial future. And when you're building it and when you're starting out, it is so important that you do that right. 
Because trying to reverse that and build the infrastructure and build the control after the fact, it's just really difficult. And a lot of people mess that up. Yeah, you should just start thinking about infrastructure. Like if you look at any of the big businesses that stay, that don't that don't get killed by the coronavirus or the 2008 recession, I mean, you guys were built out of the 2008 recession. If you look at it like by approaching it as infrastructure and always aiming to, okay, I need infrastructure, I need infrastructure, um, you, it's almost inevitable that your income, your wealth, and, and just your control will compound because a good example is Russell Brunson, you know, with ClickFunnels. Like ClickFunnels, people think, oh yeah, it's great for building funnels. It's like, not really. Like it's great for con- controlling the e-commerce seller. If you're if you need to build a funnel and sell a funnel, you're going to pay Russell Brunson 97 bucks a month, and multiply that over a million people. I mean, it's and and his attrition rate doesn't he he knows the math on how much he needs to spend, what his lifetime value of a customer is, how what his churn rate is. Like when you're infrastructure like that, or Jeff Bezos, or you with self storage, like you guys can comp, you guys know exactly how much money you need to spend to get X amount of return. You know who your facility target demographic is. You like once you start down a path. Like for me, I know my physical product. I can, I know exactly what what my price points need to be, what my margins need to be. I know how to compound my my company. And when you when you approach it, I didn't normally approach it that way. I'm lucky that my business can do that. But when you can do that math to your business and understand what you're doing. You you have a vehicle or an avenue that. I mean, it can go into the seven, eight, nine figures. Uh, even who knows? You could you could build a multi-billion-dollar business through just time. Time, exactly. And that's all that matters. Like even I was thinking, I've been thinking about this more and more through this whole recession and, and things. It doesn't matter so much about the home runs. It just matters that you don't lose. Yeah. Like as long as I don't lose and I just keep doing what I'm doing, it's it, it's inevitable because it'll just continue to compound through the proper vehicles. But if you're in the wrong vehicle, don't be doing restaurants unless you're like you, you're Landry's and you own the franchise of 150 restaurants. Like that would work. Yeah, it's scalable. But a lot of these guys, you, if, you do, if you build the wrong business, a laundromat or a, now just one laundromat or one restaurant or like there's certain business models that just don't work for that. Yeah. And that's why you need to approach it as infrastructure. Say, wait a second, how do I make myself inevitable to consumers? And, um, and long term, and you hit this point, it's really important. You know, when you start out and when we started Bitterroot, it was this is an idea of 20 years in the future. If I have a 20 years, 50 years, 100 year future, I have to build it in a certain way that can last and two, that I can build upon that. And a lot of people are building for the next six months. If you build for the next six months, you're not going to last two years. Well, and that's such a good point. Like, People that build for six months, like this is this is the flaw in thinking short term. When you think short term, your results are short term, and you never provide, you never build the foundation for two, five, ten years. When I think about my life today, I'm living my life today from the work I did five years ago when I met you. That 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 from when I was doing that, that when I met you and started working with you. That foundation that I was working with there is what built my life today. What I'm doing today is building the foundation for five years from now. 
I'll live in it. I'll live in it. It's happening. It's, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm manifesting it. I'm, yeah. I'm literally building the foundation and in the now it's very, um, it's like that Gary Vee stuff. It's very patient and stuff, but every day it's like, go, go, go. Yeah. Like figuring stuff out, move, making deals, boom, boom, boom. But long term, when you look at the foundation that I'll live in five years from now, it's from the work right now. Yes. Like I'll, I'll uh, keep compounding my company, keep doing real estate deals. And one, eventually it'll be, I'll be making a million dollars a year in income and my lifestyle will be built from the work I did today. It is, it's such a different way of thinking though, because I expect to do work this week and get paid. Mm-hmm. Right? I, that's, I get a paycheck. That's the normal way that's of people, the normal people way money. of looking. And that is contrary to everything. You're, the employer is paying you to do work now so he can benefit in the future. But you don't get to reap those benefits because you're getting paid for your time and you want it immediate. When we started our uh, our company, we did not take any money for four or five years. All our employees did. We were paying millions of payroll, right? Um, and we pushed it off, pushed it off, right? But that's what building the system is. And if you control the system through all these means that we're talking about, um, brand loyalty, um, a, a way to just assets and that you own the system that is that can grow slowly and it can grow predictably. And, you know, we say slowly, but five years is not slow. It, it's, it's not, it, it's not in the, in retrospect and like thinking about the lifestyle of that. I lived five years ago and the one I live today, it's totally, it's just unreal. It's so different, but it's not like I was doing the same things I was doing then. Now it just takes, you need to like, it's like pulling a slingshot back. Like you just need to do all those, those tasks and build the infrastructure and delay gratification and reinvest and do all those things. Um, like I, I think I worked for you. I, I think at a certain point I, I was making my yearly salary every two weeks with my business, but, and sure, most people would have said, Oh, I can leave, but that's not the way to think about it. It's like, no, you're compounding your results for the future. And the longer you can wait, the farther you're going to go forward. Um, and that's what, that's literally like with you, Ron and Sam, when I look at the structure that you guys have built, like you guys did that to such an extreme level um, where like, cause, cause I'm doing duplexes and small stuff and like my business is decent, but it's not huge, but you guys were doing it with like multi-million dollar assets. And when you can do that, like, I think you've done the math on it and maybe you want to talk about it or not, but like, you can mathematically project out how much, like what the total value of Bitterroot will be in in 10 years. Yeah. And when you look at that number, that's hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. And when, for the person that's thinking, oh yeah, I want it in six months, the time's going to pass anyway. If you could have that in 10 years, why wouldn't you just do that? 10 years is, is long, but... It's not when you're talking big money. And that's what I think people don't understand is that the short term is all about action based where too many people are short term gratification based. It's I'm waiting for the weekend. I can't wait to get home to watch Netflix, right? The short term's all gratification based. And then the long term is, oh, I'm going to work over the long term and then I'm going to retire when I'm 70, right? Where as entrepreneurs, it's reverse gratification right? That is, I don't have weekends. I don't have nights. I don't have anything. I'm just going to work now for, I mean, it's like I'm doing the work in the future now because of that compounding effect. But this idea of having long-term 
Outlook allows you to build it correctly, be patient, and it also allows you to solve problems. Because when you're, I'm solving a problem for five years down the road, I can identify the repercussions. Like you said, when I'm looking over and we've been analyzing, you know, in the next two years because of the economic cycle we're in, I think I'll grow faster than we did in the last five years. So we have these expectations, we have these pipelines, right? We have all these things, but everything still is five years down the road, but you're living your life Right. And so the now, everything that I do now, I'm not ever going to see for the next week. It's not going to be coming a paycheck. It's not going to come now. But you're living the past five years. Yes. But everything I was doing five years comes to the future. So it's this, this interesting concept. But if you're going to go, if you're going to go for the long term, which you need to, because that time's going to pass anyways, like you said, 10 years is going to show up. If you're doing all this stuff, I can't stress the importance of building it right. Because could you imagine doing all that work in 10 years, realizing you had no control over your investing strategy and losing it all? Like those people that gave Bernie made off all their money for 50 years, and then he lost it all, and they didn't even know what happened, and it was their millions of dollars and things. I mean, I can't even imagine how devastating that would be. And they didn't even know what happened. And yeah, that's why when you look at a business, yeah, you need to have the control of the infrastructure. You need to be infrastructure. You need to figure out how to be infrastructure. You need to have the control over it, and then you need to build it based on the future while realizing like this moment is a culmination of whatever you did in the past 5, 10, 15 years. The next in five years where you'll be is the culmination of the 5, 10, 15 years in the past. So you need to build a plan that is always focused on the future, and you'll end up living the future. You might It's not going to be like, oh, dang, you're living it. But you'll, I, I think about it sometimes because I'm like, man, how the heck did I get here? And it's like, oh, I did that stuff so violent. Like it, it was literally violent, violent work to, to get to where I'm at. And when you, when you have that approach of infrastructure control and uh, violent work, you get there quickly. And, and you're right on this fight. And I like that idea, this violent work, because... The reason people give up control is because drop shipping is so much easier. It's because all these things are so much easier. When you're putting in control, I remember putting together the foundation of what we would have to do to manage our own assets, right? Not hire a management company. First of all, the cost was stupid. It didn't make sense. It mathematically didn't make sense. We were losing money, but we were losing money to build correctly and invest in the process. But because of that, we learned how to turn around assets. We could go in and we could see, I could see the economic indicators and what makes good deals, bad deals. And now we know inherently, which if we weren't running our own assets, if we weren't managing them, we would never know that today. And I could never grow like we were going, we have been growing and will grow in the future. Well, and yeah, just to give context. So you guys self-funded, paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to build Bitterroot, which manages each LLC of storage, yeah. right? And you guys took, the, you guys hired like six people, yeah. paid them all, and they managed the assets before you even had the assets, yeah. right? And now here's the difference. You could have went and paid 8% to a management company that would have just thrown that together, but- yeah, Done it all. And most people will do that, but here's the thing. And I know it because I was in the management company. You- you guys are able, whereas most people are like, oh, give me an 8% return. And most property managers can probably do that. You guys are able to get 50, 60, 100% returns on your money because you're actively um, managing and value adding the property. And 
that allows you to compound your growth to a level that no management company can ever do because they just don't yeah. care. Yeah. And, and, and two, they don't know. And, and they don't this know. This is the yeah. interesting thing when you look at this. this. This idea of building out infrastructure, building out your business, as you're doing it, you're learning the things that are important. So as we were doing it, we made mistakes. We had to change. We had to learn. But in that process, we could identify opportunities that were unknown to us before. So people are now, they're like, I don't know, you know, is this a good deal? Is it not a good deal? Right? Well, that's how we started out. I didn't really know where now, I mean, it's just second nature. We can tell almost immediately whether we're going to buy a property or not. Right? There's some properties where I remember walking under contract. When we just walked Mead, I remember we flew up to Mead. We all got out of the car and we just... I think it was probably like what we walked around for five minutes. And we're yeah, like, and Ron's like, "Okay, let's buy it." Yep, let's buy it. Yeah. It was just done. Yeah, it was like we, we could all tell. We could, we all, could tell. all tell. We all knew, and it was it, it just it, it's one of those things though that we wouldn't have known unless we paid the price, ate the dirt at the beginning. Yeah. That is what created by not, the by not taking the shortcut, and we could have just handed it off. And then somebody else was running it and we're living on whatever's left over. But that would not be in control of our system. Not, our wealth vehicle would be in control of somebody else. And I don't necessarily have control where it's going. Whereas now, because we've built it out, we understand the functionalities, the opportunities. And two, I understand what different changes in the economies do to different assets and revenue. We can predict, like you're saying, you can predict that future, right? I can analyze it for end of the year. I can look and say, okay, I'm going to grow X. We have this amount of people. I know I need to add two more to accomplish this goal. That means our overall expense ratio per property will go up X, but I know that we can find these types. It's just, you understand the whole picture and that's when you really grow. Um, And that's when you have staying power and last through the ups and downs and the recessions. And you can make you know, you can really change your life that way. Well, yeah. And I think that too, you're by doing what that is, and that's way more work. Like people don't even understand, like that is like years and hours and hours of work and literally like tons of risk too. While, while, while we were working other jobs. Right. And, but here's the thing, when you look at all these other people doing storage that are doing that, either their owner operators or dude, they, they don't stand a chance that you literally can't stand a chance because while they may be able to buy the property and improve it a little bit, they can't manage at the level that you're going to manage at. They can't market at the level that you're going to market at. They don't understand the financials and, and how to operate that asset properly. And so the it, if you're not going to be the best, there's almost no point. I mean, real estate's a little bit different because it'll still cash flow to some extent. But you're if you're not the best or you're not on par with the best, Unless you were there first, you're probably going to get swallowed up at some point. And that's why um, by going the long road. Yeah. Um, And two, and you make a good point here, and and it's important for everybody to understand, none of us are perfect, right? That, That doesn't even exist. You're not the best. You're not the smartest. You never are. And that's why it's so important to say, listen, I got to learn. I got to work really hard to figure this out so I can create or so I can become that way. Um, and I don't care what industry you're in. I don't care what you're trying to achieve. That is the process of, uh, of progress and, and of gross growth. But if you control your system and if you understand those things, you can get through it. So I can, I can make mistakes, right? I can screw up. I can learn from those and I can get better all the time. Every year I understand, you know, where I need to go and where not. If you're, if you don't have 
control, if you don't have a brand, you're at the whims of the market or you're at the whims of Amazon, right? I'm at the whims of Facebook and controlling my audience, right? All of a sudden, if my whole audience is on Facebook and Facebook kicks me off, I just lost everything. Or Instagram pulling or their reach. Instagram, exactly. They, they, pulling they, reach, which they do. They already did. Yes. Well, and, and I think that like too, like it's it's no different with your the brand versus your real estate. Like I know what my margins need to be to, to produce, like for me to make 10 grand net profit, I know exactly how much money I need to spend. I know what the product needs to look like and I know how much it'll cost me. Like, and by understanding that, by not, I didn't buy my company from somebody else. I built it from the ground up with nothing. So when you start with nothing, you need to be really good with your money because you'll run out of money pretty quick and be well, out of business. And, and two, you got to understand when Rock started out, I mean, Rock started out like all, we all start out. We're all idiots. Like we just are, right? I mean, I was everyone. You, well, you and just I was, don't know what you don't know. I was making fourteen bucks an hour working for you, and I started with five grand. Yeah, like that's crazy. It's crazy. But and you had to figure it out. And through that, now I know. Like we, we with the company we bought uh, six months ago, I I could I looked at it and I was like, and I'd probably looked at like three hundred companies, two two hundred three hundred companies, and most of them were duds, and I never uh, I just bailed on them. But this one, I, I looked at it. I was like, okay, that's it. That, I could tell immediately. It had all the characteristics of what a successful brand would be. And um, sure, there, it's not a perfect business. There's no perfect business. But it, it's, it had everything needed to do exactly what I do with e-commerce brands, um, similar to what you do with storage or what I do with duplexes, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Um, Insurance, no. It's, when it's you understand, same thing. When you understand how the the infrastructure works and how to control it and all those things. It, the even return... more importantly though, even more importantly to what you're talking about, when you own that infrastructure, you can plug it in. Yeah. So if you get how he, he, you build a system to deploy products, you have your market base, you can market to, you have all these things you can now grow exponentially because you can put things onto your system and grow them. Yeah. For somebody them. else to do it. I mean, you way more risk, way more, risk. uh, you probably don't even know what you're doing. Yeah. Like most of them wouldn't yeah. know like for me, it adds another hour to my day, you know, maybe more like 10 minutes, like unless I'm actively working on it, like it's really not a, an increase to my workload, but to a normal person who doesn't understand what we've been talking about, who hasn't done it, who hasn't taken the experience. This is why you have to take the long road on everything. Well, and, and you didn't start out that way. No, Neither it took did me we. forever. When we started out, it's so funny. I, I go back to my original business plan that I made up for our company and looking at this and my assumptions were wrong that half of it was right. And a lot of the things that we de de determined uh, um, were right, but then a lot of them were wrong. And th th when you're starting out, and this is important for everyone to get, there's a few things like control and ways that you need to go that are really important that you get correct. And those are the things that allow you to have staying power. Like we talked about, allowed you to last. It's that idea of control. The things that are wrong as long as you have those things, you can change and you can maneuver and you can get better and you can grow on it. But a foundation that is not sound, you can't continue building off of. So when we started, we'd originally, and I can tell you, I, I'd originally thought we would own lots of little facilities all over and I had it mapped out. Okay, well, we're going to, you know, own 25 in the next five years and we're going to turn around and we're going to build. It just didn't work when we started. So we, we had to go bigger. And a lot of the fu fundamentals were the same. We had the same name. We learned. We figured out how we could go. If we had somebody else that was going to manage though and run those for, we, that's what we would have done. 
we would have, okay, you run it, and we would have followed that game plan. We wouldn't ever have grown to what we've had. We would, it would have just been like a little side thing, and then it would have been, I mean, I mean done. Because we would have been, we would have said, this isn't what it's cracked up to be, right? With the, I thought this was something better, and it doesn't work which that's not true. It's just the way that those people are doing it that doesn't work. So building these things right from the ground. And when we say right, you don't have to know 100%. That's really important for people to understand because it can't stop you from moving forward. You just need to realize that you say, listen, if I'm going to go product, so we have a service company, right? Where I have salespeople, we sell, we do B2B business. Um, there's a few things that I needed. I, we knew we needed, right. We need a brand. I need to name my company. We had this, this company had to stand for something. I knew we needed to target a size and I knew how we needed to stay out, uh, or compete, but we needed to own those ways that we competed, right? I needed to be able to control those for my clients. And then upon then we were able to adjust with every client as we move forward. Now that means I in that company, I'm still not taking an income. I'm still pouring all that money back in to the company and growing it. And I'll continue to for probably another year. But you also didn't realize the infrastructure thing, like the, the software play, until you'd left the old one. Yes. So like you, it took you, you worked there for 10 years, you left, and then you said, how can I do this better? Yes. And how can I become, how can I beat out all my competitors? Yeah. And so like y- you're still doing it. Uh, oh, 12 years later. Continue. Well. Yeah. If you look at a perfect example is, so for our self-storage, we own um, a software company in Southern California, which we wanted to be a part of in developing um, to run the facilities because we realized how in- instrumental our property management systems are for our company. And it was halting our progression in a lot of different avenues as far as everything from data that we believed we should own that data. Yeah. But the software company that we were using to license so into it, it didn't work well. These are softwares it, built like 20 years ago. Yeah. And it was like, it didn't achieve the things and it wasn't keeping up with the future. And it was halting our progression because the internal workings uh, uh, of processing everything from payments, um, doing reports, identifying customers within our business, we didn't own that. I couldn't see the data of people coming in where they were coming in from. It ha- it created some hard time. So instead, w- there was some of us in the industry that realized this was a problem. We said, "That's it. We're going to put all this money to back up." So instead of taking this money home, right? Instead of even putting it into another storage facility, we're like, "We need to push this money into controlling our infrastructure, whether we get a return out of that software company or not." Our return is the ability to control how we run our business. That's how important that aspect is to us. Um, And so when you're looking, obviously you can't do that right out of the gate, right? We couldn't either, but... You don't even want to. You don't even want to. No, you need to test. You need to figure things out, right? And you need to utilize other infrastructures that are out there. But if you're starting out, what's your brand name? How are you going to find customers, Right? Are you dependent on one platform? How are you going? And it's to... okay if you are. Yeah, that's fine. But you just need to be aware of it. Like most yes. people are, like just and have a plan yeah. on how to diversify. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need to because a lot, like a lot of people starting on Amazon, like if you're selling a physical product, that's probably the best place to start. They control half of e-commerce, and but you need to have, be aware of like, well, Amazon's the platform here; they have the control. Why don't I build my own website after a while and build out my own? Uh, sell like run Facebook ads and Instagram and Google ads, 
And then I, I can own 30% of my revenue from my website. And, and you start to build out an actual company versus just doing an arbitrage play between Amazon and your products that you're selling. And that's so. the same. And it's the same with real estate. It's, it, it's, it's the same so. With it's everything. so universal. It's yeah. universal in business, but it's really important. And you see how even large, billion-dollar companies get this wrong. And it's a lesson that we all need to. We're still learning. I mean, we're always still learning on how we can do this. And when you're starting it up, it can be a fatal flaw that once you're down the road, you're going to do all this work right? It's, you're putting your life into this. This is going to be hard. You just need to accept that because you're trying to build something that's worth it. That'll last a long time. Do it right. Take the extra time to do it right and identify the cracks in the foundation. And the cracks in the foundation are areas that your business is vulnerable to other people controlling your customers, your revenue or outside circumstances or outside circumstances controlling it. You're exactly right. Cause if you, yeah, if you take the time or even if you're looking at your business now and you're like, yeah, this, I don't have control over this. It's fine. Like it's working already, but how can you, whether you need to, do you need to sell that business and get into something else? Or do you need to change how you're operating your business to get more control? Um, whatever that is, you just, at least you're aware of it. Like most people are just asleep at the wheel. Yeah over like their, their business. Well, and they start out and they don't even care. They don't yeah. think it matters. Yeah. It's just like a short term play. Yes. And that's the thing. Like there's no building a big business and building a, a strong business versus building a weak business and a small business. It's all the same effort. It is more or less. It is. I mean, there might be some things that are different, but, but it's, it's, <laughs> you may as well just do it right. Exactly. And it, you know, it's interesting too, when, when I look, cause you're right. You can never have full control, obviously. So identifying your weaknesses and trying to build as you go forward, make your business stronger, your foundation stronger, because that will depend on how big your your empire can be, how big you can grow. So you just need to fix those things as you go along. And it, it's not that you're 100% going to, your business is going to fail one way, but you don't know. And it, it could. And we've seen lots of businesses. In fact, you know, you brought up Russell Brunson and he talks about this a lot. In fact, he wrote a, a, a book on traffic secrets and he has this great analogy. And listen, there's traffic that you control and you don't control. And the only thing that's important is the traffic that you don't control. You got to create, make it into traffic you can control. Yeah. So his concept is right. Like you pay Facebook to get customers, but when you pay Facebook to get the customers, you need to get their email contact information and everything and put it within your ecosystem. So you paid it, you paid to play, but now you control it. And that's why email marketing, uh, even though everyone's sick of emails, I mean, dude, email marketing probably makes 23 to 30% of most e-commerce businesses. And and like it should, you know? Um, yeah. So, I mean, we've beaten a dead horse. But, but it really, yeah, seriously. When there's no point in building a company, look at all the successful guys that last. Here's the thing. You can last for five years. Everybody can. But now, like this coronavirus has exposed a lot of things. You should say, well, wait a second. Am I building something that's going to last? Even if you get hit, like like a re- like we had a revenue drop, and then for some reason, like I panicked, and then it came back yeah. normal. Yeah. And if anything, it's opened my eyes to, oh, wait a second, I can become infrastructure now. Yes. And you just need to be aware. Um, well, we got out of a business because of that. I mean, we'd invested all this money and time, and I'd spent years as we were expanding and going to grow our... Um, our uh, franchise for gyms. gyms. Yeah. 
out and you know the amount of time and money that oh, dude. spent was unreal can we talk about it yeah let's talk yeah about i mean like uh and then we'll wrap it up but aj like we that's how i kind of started working for you yeah. So he had two active gyms, uh, anytime franchise fit, anytime fitness franchises, and we had like what fifteen locations. Yeah, fifteen locations. And I remember looking at it, and I'm like, one, we didn't care. Like me and you, we'd go to those, yeah. uh, we'd go to the annual conferences, conferences which and... like that was fun to go to, like Palm Springs and yeah. like yeah, that was New, fun. we went to New York. Yep. Um, yep. And like the the most fun was just me and AJ hanging out. Exactly. Because it was we didn't go. <laughs> we to cared any... a lot more about that than we did. The we'll, we'll do. We didn't material. go to any of the events. No, we didn't. And, and I remember looking, I'm like, dang, my boss doesn't even care. <laughs> AJ, AJ didn't give a shit about any at of all. it. And I remember looking at it and the business was doing good. Like it was making, yeah, it's making good money. Yeah. Good mm-hmm. money. And I remember looking at it though. And it's like these, the, like it's better to just sell all this, make the money in it, which now looking in high, hindsight, like that was probably a good idea. Yeah. But, <laughs> we, we talk but, about that every day. Like, Ooh, wow, we did, yeah. we did good on that. I just remember looking at it and I'm like. What I think I was doing the storage at that point and the gyms, and I was like, I need to convince these guys to sell this stuff. <laughs> well, and, and, and and it was like you're you're right. We had a system that we owned and we're growing, and once you own your own system, to have to run like with the gym, we had things where like, no, we need to do this, and we couldn't do it because of a franchise, and we're like, we know this works better, and all of a sudden it just we lost. They had interest. all those rules. They have all the rules. They own everything, and I knew that we were subject to them growing. They're selling other people territory stuff. So if the franchise didn't work out to us because we're like, this makes no sense. I can grow something that I own. It can be way better, way more profitable. Storage is more profitable, less, exactly. less, less uh, active management. Yeah. Like you, when you have people coming in every day, destroying your equipment. Yes. Like a gym would only be good in for branding. Yeah. Like if you're going to build a franchise, yeah. that's great. But, but if you're the franchisor. Yes. Being a franchisee, I mean, dude. No. Well, and it's the economics of it, too, that don't make sense. So as we're looking at it, there was a twofold thing. We weren't sold on the long-term economics of gym, which I'll explain gyms in just a minute, and I'll explain why. But then, two, it was hard for us to be bought in or to care when I'm like, I don't understand why I should care because I can't do it anyways. Like, like you give me the rules, I'll follow the rules. You're a franchise. So okay, great. Why do I need to be like, I don't need to care because I have the outlay, right? But the economics, the reason why I was disturbed in it was lease prices are always going up, but the trend of gym, gym memberships were always going down. Mem- like cost. Like the, yeah, like, like the how much cost. we can charge. Yeah, so yeah. Um, that's always going and down. And we were on the high end too though. And we were on the very high end. So it was hard to retain. Yes. And, and and I knew there was downward pressure, not upward pressure. So revenue had downward pressure while your largest expense in the gym was your lease um, uh, for the location and also equipment. We bought it in cash, but you know that's the other one. And both of those things had upward pressure. So leases were rising and cost uh, to do business were rising. So all of a sudden we realized, hold on, revenue has economic downward pressure. Expenses have upward <laughs> margins. I, i.e. margins are gone. So um, we, and we said, we're not passionate about this business because we can't control it and build off it. And although we thought we could, and we thought we could build a system, we just realized we weren't in control. Right. And, you know, and we talked about this for a long time and, you know, everything. So we sold and got out of that business and we had profitable locations. Yeah, they, they were, were doing great. They were, they were awesome. And we sold all of them. And 
got out of the business because of those reasons. So, but it's been better, I would say. Yeah, because you guys, like, I mean, one storage deal probably does. Yeah, it probably catches exactly. up on all, everything you sold. But we made the decision. We we threw away all the work, all the time, effort, which was years. We realized that was not the correct move. We don't control our system. We need to walk away from this, and we did. And so. You need to be able to do that and identify those moves. But in reality, I was an idiot because I shouldn't have gotten into the position because I violated the rule of control, which I knew, I knew I shouldn't have done. Instead, we went back the insurance route, created insurance brokerage. We set up the uh, uh, the underlying system which we owned and controlled, and that's already working out much better. Um, so I'm not afraid to admit, you know, we did. We screw up, we mix up, you're doing it right. Do it right the first time. I didn't, on that situation, I, I turned my back on the rule of control and it was the wrong move, of course. So if you've done it, that's fine. Figure out how to get in control. And if you can't, it's okay to walk away from things and say, listen, I'm not going to spend 20 years on this. No, yeah. And that's what happened Time's, with the gyms. The time is more important. We knew in 20 years, we wouldn't want to be in this get out and move. So anyways, this was a great episode. Really important for those starting out, for those that are in it, and for those that are in it, I mean, it's that's this is something that we discuss and we talk about and work all the time. Everybody, I, I just want to say we've been getting some reviews. Uh, we're really grateful for you guys. The calls, um, the emails that we're getting. Um, seriously, you guys are awesome. We really appreciate it. Everybody, if you like what we're doing, leave us a good review. That's what really makes the difference and, and tells us. Email us. Go to the website, Cash Flow to Freedom. Um, we, we even take calls. People, if, uh, we had a thing going on where if you left a, a five-star and a good review, we'd set up a 15-minute call. We'll still continue to do that. So if you want to do that, everybody, uh, go for it. We're happy to talk with you how you're building your future, what you're doing, and the paths that you're on for uh, to achieve financial freedom. We love it. So thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.